on this episode of Optimal Health Uncovered. Two thirds to three quarter of your plate being fruits and vegetables, lots of greens, lots of color, and then the lean protein, to your point. Um, I'm not pushing people to just eat plants, but I am saying majority of what you eat, and I think that's what we're seeing a lot of the studies that are coming out, it's just if you can get people to lean in that direction and just start to develop taste buds that actually like that type of food and the wait season, you know, I, I think it can go a long way to just eating more of that type of food. Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Optimal Health Uncovered. Uh, we're happy to have Jackie here today, our resident uh, dietitian, nutritionist here at Performance. Jackie, welcome. Thank you. And Todd, you're back. I'm back. And better than ever. Yeah. Ratings were down, so they yeah. said I'd come back. <laughs> just had things in the toilet for a couple of weeks. Yeah, a couple of things. I think it's a substandard producer, really. <laughs> so Adam, uh, Adam's fading off to the sunset. So. All right. So today we're going to talk about some plant-based diets. So it would be interesting to have a couple of different uh, perspectives. Obviously, your clinical background, Jackie, Todd, as a mostly plant-based eater, and then me as a carnivore, uh, <laughs> just to kind of round everybody off. So what we did, we pulled some research, like we have been doing the past couple podcasts, just to kind of use as a template to kind of have some conversation. So this specific research article was published in a very high quality journal, the Journal of the American Heart Association. It's a recent article published in 2009, though it was entitled, Plant-Based Diets Are Associated with a Lower Risk of Incident Cardiovascular Disease, Cardiovascular Disease Mortality, and all cause, all, excuse me, all cause Mortality, is my Long Island coming out, All Cause Mortality, in a general population, middle-aged adults. So it kind of gave the ending to the movie away in that plant-based diets did have good effects in terms of cardiovascular health. Um, but just like most of these, we kind of dig into the article a little bit and then go from there. Uh, did everyone read the article? Step one. Check. Check. Okay. Jackie? Jackie, <laughs> Jack. I had no questions about you. Sometimes Todd is a little <laughs> suspect when it comes to reading these. All right. Um, so it turns to study design. I think it was a well-designed study. It was a prospective study, which is always a higher quality of evidence than looking back retrospectively. Um, it built upon previous studies. And the knock on some of the previous studies is they were very specific patient populations, as where this one was more generalizable to the general population of just adults. Um, so it followed individuals out prospectively for a long time. I think it was over 30 years of, of data. So from 2000, sorry, from 19, uh, 1987, when Todd graduated high school. Pretty close. Yeah. 88. All right. There we go. It's close. From 1987 all the way up to uh, 2017. So they did multiple visits. That's when uh, you graduated college. That's when you graduated college. <laughs> it took a lot, long time. Um, so from different individuals throughout the country. So they looked at Washington County, Maryland. Uh, I'm not sure I'm pronouncing this right, but Forsyth County, North Carolina. No? Okay. I think that's correct. Minneapolis, Minnesota, and Jen Jackson, Mississippi. So again, they tried to pull from data sets, this data set from people from different parts of the country from a larger uh, age range. And these individuals range from 45 to 64 uh, years of age. So when you look at a study like this, you say, okay, is this applicable to the people that should be reading the study? Can we generalize these results to everybody? So large sample size, kind of a diverse population. Um, so if you're in that age range, you can certainly um, probably generalize these results if it was then a well-designed study outside of that uh, population. So I think it was a good population, a good sample, as we say. I think it was is just well-designed as well. So without going too much into the weeds, I think so far so good when, when it comes to the study. 
Um, how do you want, do you want to comment on anything so far? No, nope, so far so good, Michael. Okay. All right. So what they did is they used a specifically plant-based diet or they used a diet score. So basically it was a kind of questionnaire or an index where they, they looked at individuals eating habits. Jackie, as you read this, were you familiar with what this kind of questionnaire was or this index was? Yes. Uh, there are many such indexes and, uh, I'm familiar with it. Yes. Not, uh, don't know it terribly well, but yeah. yes, I've heard of it. Okay. So basically the gist of it without being boring about it is they just asked what dietary habits were, how much, uh, plant based food you ate, how much, you know, uh, carnivore or, uh, meat you ate, not just red meat, but just things that came from animals. Uh, and then the quality, they rated it just on quality. So I think an important part, as I was reading the study, I've read some study that looked at kind of the plant-based diet or more of a meat-eating type diet without looking at just the quality of either diet. And I think this one was a well-designed st- study in that they looked at the quality of the plants and the variety that people were getting. Because I knock on my cousin, I have a cousin who is a vegetarian, but she basically eats pizza and chips and bagels. And I, I, I would argue that rather she ate meat and some vegetables and she would be a little bit healthier, right? So I think there's different types of uh, vegetarianism. And this looked at just the quality in terms of um, how well-rounded their diet was. And I thought that was important. Basically, they asked these individuals those uh, questions and just established their dietary habits over a series of six visits. And that spanned almost the course of 30 years. Um, and they had follow-up visits kind of throughout that time frame. And they looked at their, that was basically the eating portion of it. And then they just looked at their cardiovascular health, um, whether those individuals passed away, that's mortality. If they passed away, did they pass away from cardiovascular causes? Did they have cardiovascular uh, disease, you know, whether it be hypertension, uh, history of myocardial infarction or, or uh, coronary artery disease, et cetera. And what they found is kind of the title implies was those individuals that followed a plant-based diet and specifically a healthy plant-based diet, uh, good whole food sources, um, and a well-rounded diet did a lot better than those individuals that um, more of a meat-heavy um, kind of standard American type diet. Do you Good agree job. with my we're, assessment? Yes, we're okay. done. You right, did and and that wraps us up. All right, so Jackie, as the dietitian, the clinician in the room, um, you probably get this question a ton, right? So we have the data kind of substantiate that out there in common media, whether it be you know the Tom Brady's of the world, um, or whomever else, um, if someone's saying, okay, so I, I want to go plant-based, what's your recommendation or would you go plant-based? What would you say? I want to fully support people in, uh, you know, many dietary patterns that they choose. Um, and people are choosing plant-based for many different reasons, um, environmental reasons, ethics, um, health reasons. Um, and then some people are curious, you know, my friend's doing it. I want to try it out. They said they feel better. Um, so I think, uh, you know, I work with a lot of high performing athletes and, um, with that population, if, uh, they choose to go something along the lines of vegan. Um, we just want to be very careful in how they're planning their diets. They're not missing out on anything. Um, it, definitely can be done. It just can be more challenging. You you have to put more time and effort into it. Um, So, you know, I think going more plant-based as a whole is 
a great thing to do. Um, it's how restrictive are you getting? For what reason? Um, and then is it going to work sort of in the long term for you? Um, or if it's not working for you, are you open to some flexibility with it and maybe adding in back in some meat, some dairy, um, because it is more filling to you or um, you're getting the nutrients that you need? Okay. So a lot of key points. So let's start with the kind of defining our terms. So difference between, and I know veganism can be a long winded answer, but just like simplistically two, three sentences, like vegan versus plant-based, what's the difference? Plant-based is very broad. It's eating more plant-based foods. It's eating more fruits, vegetables, whole grains, not seeds, and in general, less dairy, meat, fish. Um, but there, there are no, uh, restriction or, or definition of, of what that looks like in terms of amounts for each. Uh, vegan is eating no animal foods whatsoever. No honey coming from bees, no dairy, no red meat, poultry, no fish, no eggs. Okay, good, great. So if someone does want to go with a vegan diet, what would your recommendations be for supplementation or any concerns you would have regarding you know deficiencies? For plant-based, right? Not vegan. Oh, either. Oh, either. Yeah. Um, plant-based. So for a lot of people, for example, are avoiding dairy um, or choosing oat milk, almond milk um, at, in their households. Uh, and especially with kids, teenagers, young adults, as they're still building bone density, I think, um, you know, are we getting enough calcium and vitamin D? Uh, so that that's a big one that I'm hearing about a lot. With plant-based, you know, there isn't necessarily a need for supplementation, but say if someone is plant-based, they don't eat fish or, or don't enjoy um, eating fish at all, um, an omega-3 supplement might be something to think about. And then with vegan entirely, you think about B12, iron, calcium, vitamin D, and uh, is there adequate protein? Is there adequate omega-3s? Protein is definitely doable with vegan diets. However, you need a lot more beans <laughs> to get the same amount of protein that you get in a, a small amount of meat. So um, sometimes it's it's just not doable for the the sheer amount that you would need. Yeah. So um, especially with, with like athletes, I, I think about that. Is it a larger amount because the quality and like the bioavailability of that protein versus animal protein? Or is it just, it's harder to get the same amount so you have to bump it up? Because I've heard both, I've heard things where say like plant-based sources of protein are not as... Um, quality of a protein, I guess, for lack of a better word. Yep. Um, it there. So both, so uh, the bioavailability issue and then, um, you know, in about a half cup of beans, there's about seven grams of protein. So that is a, a good amount. And, and if, but if someone has that for as part of their protein source for their entire meal, um, you know, maybe someone may, needs more like 20, 30 grams how are, how are we getting that in? So um, they would have to, you know, triple, quadruple that amount. And that ends up being like two cups of beans. So yeah. for some people that might just be, you know, way too filling and, and sort of get off balance with the rest of the meal. Sure. All right, Ty, let's go to you as a mostly plant-based individual. So what made you go that route? I know the background, but for the, the listening audience. 
Just my overall blood work and blood panel and what was going on the inside of my body versus what was happening, you know, what I thought was happening on the outside. Um, my, my numbers, cholesterol, my LDLs, um, just numbers were way too high in multiple categories. And my wife had been plant-based for quite some time, actually vegan for a, a long period of time. And kept sending me articles like the one we're reading today on just the benefits of a plant-based approach. And it's probably been three, maybe longer now, four years. And I switched up the diet and went to plant-based. I'm pescatarian, so I, I still eat fish, uh, but primarily plant-based and then the fish two, twice a week. Uh, and within six months, all those numbers bottomed out. I mean, everything improved to the point where I had I went to my primary care doctor who I've seen for 18 years and I've always exercised. I sleep well. He's like, what have you changed? Because, you know, these numbers are significantly better than they've ever been. Uh, and the only thing that I could account for was the, the diet changing to a plant-based diet. I was red meat and potatoes my whole life, six days a week, uh, long history of cardiovascular disease in my family. Um, my father's father died when he was five of a heart attack. My uncle died in his fifties of a heart attack. Um, my mother's had um, a couple stents. My dad's had a valve replacement. So there's a lot of things pointing on that cardiovascular health uh, dial there for me. And then all the other numbers were just like, it's the hardest thing to do is to change your eating. At least I feel, but once you do it and you actually make that change, you get used to, that way and you start to enjoy the food more and the taste of food even though I, you know occasionally i'll have meat red meat because it's just like you can slip every now and then and you know sometimes i just want it so it's like i'm not gonna say I, i'm not gonna eat it and punish myself um but to jackie's point of the beans and legumes and all the protein sources that you can get um you know and get those nutrients from i just eat more i eat as much as i want because the caloric value numbers are, are lower with a lot of this food. Uh, so I can eat as often as I want if I, if I chose to. Um, I do that and I do uh, time-restricted windows as well. But uh, the plant base has definitely been something that's helped in the inside as much as the outside. So what metrics were specifically off? Besides, well, cholesterol, right? And then what besides cholesterol? Uh, I'll pull it up in a second to give you all the I'll, – I'll read it off and give you the exact details here. Uh, there were multiple things, but I'll pull those up in a uh, second. So that pull it up, but I wanted to get into conversation about just you know cholesterol as an indicator of cardiovascular health because there's a couple of schools of thought. There's like the AMA and American Heart Association kind of tried and true cholesterol, specifically LDL cholesterol being above a certain level is problematic, and those levels kind of change. We're kind of sitting at 100, I think, right right now. Is it 100, 150? Uh, for LDL. it depends on the age, the like 130, okay. I believe. Yeah. Okay. So sitting anything above that could be problematic, right? And there's, then there's the good quality HDL cholesterol. There's ratios, there's particle size. There's a lot of different things that we can kind of look at and talk about, but in general, uh, and then there's kind of, I wouldn't say counterculture, but there is some legitimate studies that say, Hey, those are a little, those initial studies are epidemiological. They were a little bit flawed. Maybe cholesterol isn't the best predictor of cardiovascular health. That's where a lot of people in that carnivore camp kind of put their their weight in terms of the research. Um, so help us rationalize that. So if I was somebody who is coming to you and saying, okay, I 
Is my cholesterol problematic? Where would you say it's problematic? What other factors would you look at? Uh, in addition, obviously, with them consulting with your doctor. Mm-hmm. So uh, saturated fat can be a big one for, for those with high LDL cholesterol. So, you know, the recommendation is to minimize that in the diet, the sources being things like cream, whole milk, ice cream, cheese, um, red meat, skin of chicken. And, um, so that is commonly known, um, the cholesterol we're eating compared to how it impacts our cholesterol. There's debate about that. Um, so I, I, in my practice, I, I don't have people, you know, eliminate eggs, eliminate egg yolks. I, I think there's a lot of nutrition in the yolks. Um, if we see it's impacting their cholesterol, then maybe we cut it back. Um, and then fiber is really important. So uh, people, I think, a lot of times think about what to cut out of their diets when they get a diagnosis of high cholesterol. And it's just as important to add things in. So, you know, I think the powerful effect of fiber um, on cholesterol, you know, fiber helps to eliminate cholesterol from the body. Fiber also helps to eliminate things like hormones from the body, like estrogen. Um, there's a lot of research on um cancer and prevention and plant-based diets too. So it's just as important to be adding um, fruits, vegetables, whole grains, nuts, seeds, high fiber foods into your diet as it is to be, you know, um, limiting a little bit those saturated fat foods and then the fats. So um, healthy fats like monounsaturated fats, polyunsaturated fats, especially omega-3 fats coming from fish, um, monounsaturated fats from like olive oil, nuts, seeds. So those are important to be adding into, um, not like the old school low-fat diet that we used to hear about. Yeah. So that was that perfect, perfect answer. And I think in terms of like a blood panel, if you generally see somebody with LDL that's kind of through the roof, omega-3s, omega-6 ratios way off, like they're really low in omega-3s and some of those cardioprotective factors. Maybe they have high inflammatory markers like uh, IGF-1 or a C-reactive protein, which are both correlated strongly with cardiovascular risk. Um, and then you're seeing you know, maybe HbA1c or fasting insulin or something from them kind of indicates they're not managing sugar. That's like the perfect storm, right? So I think sometimes we get in our specific camps um, and people out there, just not us specifically, but individuals like, Hey, I, I have friends who are just like, oh, I'm all this, or I'm all that carnival, all paleo, all this. Like you just kind of take the research as a whole and just make the best decisions based on all of it. They really, some of those individuals kind of focused on, you know, cholesterol is not a good predictor. So it doesn't matter what my cholesterol is like, well, I don't want to be on the wrong side of that argument if I'm, someone's going to die at 55 of a heart attack, right? So I always err on the side of like, yeah, I'm not putting all my stock in that cholesterol, but at the same time, I want to be as close to normative values as possible. And that's kind of how, and I do eat meat. Um, I try to eat more fish and kind of lean sources of protein than anything, but that's kind of where I hang my hat. Um, but I think cholesterol has kind of gone from like the most important thing and then it's kind of now getting demonized. And I think we kind of have to come back to center to say it's a piece of the puzzle. It's not the whole puzzle. Todd, what you got your numbers up? Yeah. So LDL, you know, at the time, uh, first testing, I was 121, which is, you know, probably be, should be under hundred. I went down to 77, uh, digging in even deeper. The LDL particle count was 1647 was the number at the time. The normal was under a thousand. So I was way over when I retested the new normal was under 700. I went from 1647 to 446. So just significantly bottom out that my HDL went from 56, which is the good cholesterol, to 61, 
which a pretty significant jump as well. Sugars have always been fine. So those were the big things. The cholesterol levels were just significantly changed with the diet. Okay, good. Um, so we talked about saturated fat. So in terms of quality fats outside of uh, omega-3s, or you can include those back in as well. Just give give our listening audience like what kind of healthy fats can we incorporate into our diet regularly and like real live examples of what those are. Mm-hmm. Um, avocados, um, nuts, seeds, nut butters, um, you know, olive oil. Um, those are all, you know, really good sources, mostly like the, the plant-based sources of, of fats are the ones that we want to have plentiful amounts of. And then from a saturated fat standpoint, um, saturated fats for the most part, besides kind of having some of these deleterious effects for our cardiovascular system are just generally inflammatory. So I know we talk about it, the kind of orth- orthopedic and just performance side of things as well. In general, keeping those a little bit lower, um, is, is important as well. Um, Todd, what do you try to incorporate in, in terms of protein and like how much fish, how do you rationalize like your macronutrients or do you not have to micromanage it? Yeah, too much? I don't have to micromanage it too much. Um, the fish in the meals, you know, twice a week minimum, occasionally three of them out. Uh, the rest of the time it's a lot of, you know, beans and legumes and, you know, different sources of protein just balancing out now eat that multiple times that's lunch that's dinner that was just breakfast yeah all right so i think one of the take-homes for me and like we'll go around the room if hopefully everyone gives a take-home take-home for me is when you hear plant-based diet don't think vegetarian I think that's an important piece it means like plant is at the forefront of the diet more plants mostly plants doesn't mean you're limiting you know fish doesn't mean you're necessarily even limiting meat or chicken it just means that's not the bulk of your diet it's not meat and potatoes it's greens, legumes, nuts, seeds, tubers, then, you know, you're having a smaller portion of whatever meat type protein it could be. I think that's an important thing because people kind of get a little confused with that. And it doesn't mean that you're not going to be able to still enjoy the foods that you love. And that's really what it's all about is eating healthy foods that you love. So that food is enjoyable and isn't something that you kind of have fear, anxiety, or stress over. That's my take home. What do you got? Yeah. Kind of on a similar uh, page there. And then to Jackie's point, the I look at when speaking to clients from just the basic level and they ask for any guidance, it's like two thirds to three quarter of your plate being fruits and vegetables, lots of greens, lots of color, and then the lean protein to your point. Um, I'm not pushing people to just eat plants, but I am saying majority of what you eat. And I think that's what we're seeing. A lot of the studies that are coming out. It's just if you can get people to lean in that direction and just start to develop taste buds that actually like that type of food and the way it's seasoned, you know, I, I think it can go a long way to you just eating more of that type of food. Uh, so that's that's kind of my take takeaway. We know that plant-based has shown a lot of positive effects. We're seeing it in the media with a lot of big athletes. Phil Mickelson just wins the PGA and talks about his diet change. We know the story of Tom Brady. We've, we've discussed that on the podcast before, just the effects on inflammation and how the body feels and gut biome and et cetera. I, I think there's a lot to be said about plants, um, but everyone's different to Jackie's point. When she started, she, we're not going to force someone down one pathway because the last thing you want to do is fight with people, but you do educate them and teach them that the balance, if you lean more toward the plants, it's probably better for you. Jackie, take us home. (laughs) No pressure. (laughs) Uh, I love the two thirds, three quarter of the plate being plant-based Todd. Um, There's a great 
representation of that in the Harvard School of Public Health's um, healthy eating plate. They have a plate and it, it has whole grains, fruits, and vegetables on about three quarters of the plate, um, and then your lean protein on the final quarter. And they have, you know, a description of how to follow this. So I think if anyone's looking for a resource, they have um, their nutrition source and it's all evidence-based, you know, on the research. Um, and so I think going plant-based can be a great idea. Um, I think thinking about, you know, what's the reason is this, and then checking in with yourself, is this serving me well? Am I feeling good? Um, and do I want to continue with it? So I think, um, nutrition gets into, you know, all or nothing a lot, you know, vegan or, or, or not. And, um, it doesn't have to be vegan. It can be, adding more fruits and vegetables and um, maybe trying out some of those plant-based sources of protein and you're going to see some benefits there of, of those changes. That was good. That was great. You took us home very nicely. All right. So thanks to everyone for listening to another episode. Uh, if you like us, please leave us a review. And if not, you know, Adam's personal phone number to call. All right. Thanks. <laughs>